day, Alex, a lawyer and a financial advisor, walk into a bar. And then what happens, Dave? Well, the question comes out, which we like, you know, lawyers and their risk management strategies. You know, what's what's the greatest risk to any business? But what have you learnt from your mistakes? Ah, well, that's an easy one for me. No mistakes. Perfect. Always. But for clients, I can probably say a few things, but not for me. Um, the biggest risk in business and what have I learned from my mistakes? Oh, that's a great topic. I've, I've got a, a few stories um, uh, about that. I, I assume, you, I mean, you've been in business for a while. You'd have some stories about that, wouldn't you? Yeah, look, I just think, you know, and sometimes the biggest risk, you know, so people always think, oh, risk is the downside of stuff. Well, yeah. You know, yes, that is one side. But there's also the risk of um, when you look at some of this stuff that you've got such a good product that the risk is that the business completely takes off, which you see a lot of the time. People like, look, it's you know, it's like I can't hang on to it. It's just yeah. it goes, it just goes crazy, which can also put you into some other risk strategies around how sure. you go up. So I just think part of of that is trying to find that balance between yeah. the up and the downside. I do think probably one of the biggest risks in any business is always your people. Just what your people ripping you off, or your people running off with your customers, or you know, people have different personalities. You know, when when you're smaller, you know, you can be a bit very, you know, we're all a family and everything ticks along and everyone kind of talks. But it, you know, as it gets bigger and you're starting to employ more people, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, but you know, Mary doesn't know what Peter thinks, but Darren over there doesn't know what Greg thinks, who might be working remotely, but. So all of a sudden, some of those risks can be... Yeah, well, everyone's not in the office together. They're all doing their own thing at home. Yep. Can I tell you, when I um, I went to, you know, the company director's course, you know, the Australian Institute of Company Directors offers a director's course for directors and officers, and I went and did that to try and get, you know, a bit, learn a bit about management. And the one thing that really came out of that that I learned is that the biggest risk to small businesses is the owner, <laughs> the owner themselves, right? They're the risk that, that normally the big issue, you know, the, the problem in, in governance for small businesses is that the owner throws their weight around and does whatever they want because yeah. they can because they're the owner, whether they're the only owner or they're the main owner, whatever, you know, or the, the chairman or the, the son of the owner, you know, who's and the, maybe the, the dad's stepped back and now the son's running it, just a stereotype. Um, but those sort of people... Uh, are often they're a risk to themselves because they've got a lot of power. They can make their own decisions, and and there's no one really to stop them, and they can do stuff that's not a great idea. Yeah, a lot of people won't question question the way they're doing stuff. Yeah, so in me that which is always me. a challenge for me. <laughs> Sorry, in my in my business that's me, which is a bit of a, it's a bit confronting, and in your business that's you. Yeah, right? correct. Yeah, yeah. Old mate Dave has come up with a pretty stupid idea, but everyone's too scared to tell him it's stupid. Correct. And, and then, so then I think part of one of the other risks around business is a lack of communication. Yeah. Like I think you've always, you, you know, you communicate and you tell them the story again and you tell the story again and you go again. Like it just takes time. And especially when new people start inside the organization, you need to give them the communication message around what the business stands for, its purpose. And, and, and I think that is one thing because people start and if they get trained by someone who's not clear on what the message is of the business, they, they can go off track very, very easily. I think that's that's wise advice in, in life even beyond the what's your biggest risk in business. But communicate if there's a skill that you, you need in your life to have a happy life, communication's it. Yep. Right? That's it, full stop, right? If you're a good communicator, maybe and if you're emotionally aware, if you're a good communicator and you're emotionally aware, you're going to be king of the world, right? You're gonna, well, you're going to be happy. 
right? Because that's, I think, no matter what, it doesn't matter how good a lawyer you are or finance person you are or or accountant you are or, or you know, manufacturer or whatever, if you can't communicate, you know, with your customers, then you're stuffed. And, you know, if you can't communicate with your personal partner, you're stuffed. If you can't communicate with your children, you're stuffed. You know what I mean? They're, they're, that's the skill, right? This is, so to all the listeners out there with teenage children. <laughs> no one can communicate with a teenager. Let me tell you, that, that's the beauty. You ask them to communicate to someone. Oh, can't I message them on a text or, or just email them? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I want you to ring yeah. and talk to them or go and meet meet someone. Like that's a really interesting one because that I, I do, I think, from a, from a, from an art of communication and how you approach yeah. part of that can also be, you know, because it can be the personality of the business. So if people don't want to use their voice to talk to people and they just want to push everything out as a message, that's also a real risk. And I think that's one of the key things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we even well, I just we think have trouble. The, we, we, the written word sometimes can be misinterpreted. Well, that's an issue with in law firms. I think you know, for legal advice, we love to put things in writing. You know, lawyers <laughs> love that, and we love to send. Yeah, you charge by the by the <laughs> word. Yeah, then we can send you a letter saying the same thing, and you know, you got to read. Twice. But you know, I mean, there's, there's some good reasons for putting things in writing, but it can be mis- misunderstood. People don't read long bits of text anymore. You know, no. people read dot points, um, and, and so you know, a, a, an email with a bunch of dot points in is just a follow up for a verbal communication. I think unless you've spoken to someone, you have got to assume they don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. In terms of biggest risks for business, I, I think you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of communication. Another one that's come up a lot for us is, you know, concentration risk that, you know, you, you've just got one customer or, you know, two customers or a small number of customers. So if, if they leave you, you're in real trouble. And I think often you're really happy to have that big customer, but you really got to address what's, what, what happens if they leave you. You know, that, that's a, that's a real problem. Yeah. But that can also be, same with one customer leaving, it can also be one of your key people inside your organization. Yeah. You know, and that's something you can actually get insured for. You know, you can have what they call key man risk for a bit old-fashioned the terminology but you know you can have an insurance policy that pays you out if somebody leaves when i was i was the ceo of a of a company before i started taurus and uh and we had an insurance policy on me so if i left or, or got hit by a bus or whatever they'd earn a bunch they'd get a bunch of money which would then allow them enough time to, to find someone you know, else hire a new person yeah which would have been of course impossible clearly clearly and it must have been an enormous insurance policy i mean oh my yeah. god to replace you it all- made me feel very important <laughs> But you can, I mean, they can insure against key man risk, which is probably not a bad thing in, in some cases anyway. Yeah, yeah, and I just think that's probably more across when you start to look at multiple owners, is one more important than the other? One might hold more equity or, or have a big, yeah. bigger balance sheet that sits on them for the business and those sorts of issues. So then, so, so if we then turn around and say, okay, there's, we, we, we recognise there's a, there's a range of risks inside a business, but what, what have you kind of learnt from your own mistakes, you know, in, in, in getting a business up and running? Yeah, good question. So oh, there's two things I think that really stand out to me from my experience. One is I think I didn't look long-term enough. I, I had a plan, but really, the, I mean, obviously I had a long-term plan, which was sort of a dream. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and but I was, you know, obviously when I started the business, you know, I had a mortgage to pay. I had, I had to get an income very quickly yep. and I had one client, right? I started Taurus with one client, you know, and at the moment we might have had seven or 800 clients, right? So 
that's a success. But I had one client and I was worried about, you know, paying the bills the next few months. So I was really thinking about, you know, what I can do to generate revenue now. Yep. And I think I wasn't thinking what do I need to do that might generate revenue or new clients or better clients or more impact in the market, you know, in two, three, five years. And, and that's the reality is, you know, some things take, we've got, I've got a client now that's a fantastic client that I, you know, first met five years ago and we didn't do any business together until recently. Yep. We've seen each other a few times, you know, and to get the really good quality clients and have the the serious impact in the market, you need to um, take that long-term view. And I think I was too worried about where my next dollar was coming yep. from um, to pay my mortgage, which is important too. But I think you got to, if you're building a business, you know, it's a, it's a, it's at least a five-year, probably a 20-year thing. And so... Yeah, it's a 10-year overnight success. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. How did you become an overnight success? You go, well, I worked on it for 10 years. Look at all that success yeah. of that individual. Look at that. It's like, yeah, I know, man. They've been grinding away at it for 10 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's us. We've been doing, I've been running this company for, for over seven years. And people are going, oh, wow, you know, you're, you've done this. Isn't that great? And I said, well, I've been, I've been trying to do that for six <laughs> years. <laughs> I've finally done it, you know, one thing. And there's, you know, a ton more, but I think I probably would have progressed quicker if I'd, if I'd been, had the confidence to invest in those kind of long-term things when I was probably worried about, you know, doing that small job just so that I could get paid that next year. Yeah, and this is a balance though, isn't it? I mean, this is yeah. kind of, you know, Harry hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah, of these things. Yeah. But yeah, when, when the requirements are that you need some cash in the door, you'll, you'll, yeah. but, but I do, I, I agree with you. I think sometimes it's that whole, and also in, in taking on work. Holding your ground or your pricing model, yeah, that's theirs. That would be one of my biggest things around it. Is that be confident in your pricing and hold it. People will. Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't matter who it is. Any time you get offered something, I always go, "Oh, that price is that's so expensive." Me. Yeah, stick a shock, right? You know, because you just and then you sort of ask for this and do a bit of this, and there's a bit of a dance. And sometimes I'll go, "Well, oh, it's yeah. nothing." I say, "Okay, well, if you really want it, you'll take it." But, yeah. but don't just because someone bounces or pushes back on your price that you've put forward to them doesn't mean you yeah. have to actually give in. That That is, you know, it's being really confident in your pricing schedule. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, if you if you remodel your bathroom or you want to build a house or you want to buy a new car or whatever it is, you never go, oh, that was really cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you always say that was terribly expensive. That's I mean, that's the answer to everything. So that if, if your clients are telling you that you're expensive, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Correct. Um, but you've got to understand what, you know, what is driving your prices and what, what your value is and how that compares to the market and all that. And if you've done all of that research and it, it all it all stacks up well, then be confident. I totally agree. I think people, I've had some clients who started up, you know, mum and dad type operations and they've grown and, you know, their mum and dad operation, they were underpricing for a long time and they were working their guts out for nothing and actually ended up in the in the, a worse place in the market because they ended up with poorer clients who are more demanding you know, customers who are more demanding and who don't want to pay. And then if you do put a price increase, they go, oh, well, I've only been paying X for the last three years. How come yeah. you've put a 40% price increase through? Well, because you've probably been undercharged for the last two years. Yeah, I've got actually a, a, a client who's, they run um, uh, hairdressing. They've got a few hairdressing studios or whatever they're called. Probably should know. <laughs> and uh, and that, they used to operate in, in Tasmania, like a barbershop in Tasmania doing 20-buck haircuts. And that's where they sort of started and they've moved into Melbourne and taken bought some 
salons in um, in salons. That's the word uh, in in South Yarra. You know, so it's all a bit upscale. And they're charging. You know, for a male haircut, they might charge sixty bucks instead of twenty. You know, and they said they get a lot less complaints when they charge sixty than when they charge twenty. They people when they're charging twenty, people are wanting it for fifteen. You know, but the sort of person, who, sort of sort of bloke who spends sixty bucks on a on a, on a haircut um, doesn't complain. Whereas the sort of bloke who spends twenty does. That's that was their that's their experience, you know. So they're they're charging, you know, triple what they were charging before and getting less complaints. So I mean, obviously they've got to pay for the South Yarra rent instead correct, of correct. Tasmania rent or whatever, which might be different. But you know, they're just saying that in that that section in the market, they're a lot happier. And in fact, the, the fellow who runs it is a, a um, uh, is is pretty progressive kind of guy, and he, he sort of feels a lot more at home in South Yarra than he does in, in Tassie. And he did in sort of Tassie. Yeah, that's right. So he feels like he gets less grief. More accepted, you know, for his for his his life than um than than he does elsewhere. So it was just interesting, and I think he was underpricing, undervaluing himself, and underpricing himself yep. and the and the brand, and you know he's moved up. And so I think if you can get that right early, but it's pretty hard when you're a small business and someone says I'd like you to work for me, and you say it'll be this much, and they say it's too expensive, and you go, oh, okay, well I won't do it then. Normally you go, oh, okay, I'll do it for whatever. You know, you're just so desperate for the work. You know, so it's easy to say with the with with Harry Hindsight. And this is what I'm saying, you know, part of it. But also I think that's where part of it, when we start to, you know, so for the topic for today is what's the greatest risk to any business and, and what have you and I learned through the mistakes that we've made along the way. And, and, and one of the things that I think is really important is to actually get a third party sometimes discussing oh, yeah. ideas with you. You know, and I think sometimes it's always hard. It's a bit like, you know, the personal trainer or or. Um, some yeah. other life coaches, which people go, oh, that's ridiculous. Why do? You? But sometimes they, yeah. they just you you can you can verbalize some of your thoughts, but they yeah. may have seen something that's a similar situation, or you've just got a complete blind spot in the way that you look at things. Oh, they yeah. just have that fresh set of eyes, and I think that's also with business, and that can be you know family or a friend, or you know you do it. You have a third party. You you, you go yeah. to either your lawyer or your accountant or your financial advisor and say, "What do you think?" Like, and it can yeah. just be a topic of a, of a conversation. And sometimes, as you talk through it, other ideas come up. But when it spins yeah. in your head and you're not articulating it to anyone, yeah, you get stuck in a mental loop almost. Yes. And I think that's often or a cultural kind of your cultural expectations around what's cheap or expensive or what's the way you do it, if you like. I'm a big fan of coaches, and I know it does sound a bit wanky, but um, we've got some clients who are absolutely fantastic coaches. If anyone is listening and and wants a a good business coach, I can recommend some award-winning coaches who we act for. But putting that aside, you know, Pete Sampras has a coach. You know what I mean? You you can be the best footballer in the world has a coach. The best everything has a coach, and they don't have to be better than you. Look at Ash Ash Barty, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she had a skills coach, but she also had, you know, Ben Crow as the as the mental yeah. coach. And again, yeah. this is part of it is, you know, it's kind of bouncing some of these things off because you do get so caught up in the yeah. minute detail that sometimes you just yeah. you cannot see the wood for the trees. Yeah. I've I've had some coaching where I realized that the things that I thought were sort of facts were just my own assumptions. Yep. And that I didn't have to do it that way at all. But that's just the way I'd been taught from the beginning of my career. You know, in legal, there's a certain sort of way of looking at things. You're sort of risk averse and, you, you know, it's all very scary, yep. not very entrepreneurial. You know, you're talking about the downside of everything. There's lots of ways of doing things that have just become kind of cultural that, 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 that you don't necessarily have to do. And I think that's a big risk. Um, fr- from my point of view, I reckon that the second thing that, that's the biggest risk in business that I experienced was it's, it's not – failing but it's not succeeding or not 
it's being mediocre, yep. right? That, that if you, you might have a vision for what your business looks like and you want it to look like that and it doesn't quite look like that and you never quite make it look like that. So you just chug along sort of not failing, you know, you're making a living, but you're not really building what you wanted to build. To the level that you would like it to be. Yeah, that's right. It, and it doesn't look like you wanted it to look. It looks like some mediocre thing that if you knew that's what it was going to be, you wouldn't have started it, yep, right? Yep. And I think that's that's a real risk. And I know that happens in a lot of small businesses. I've got clients who've got, you know, maybe they've got 20 staff, which sounds, oh, yeah, 20 staff, that's quite a lot of people. And they might be making $70,000 each, husband and wife. They're making 70000 bucks, right? So they're making 140 between husband and wife. So they could go out and get a job and earn better money than that. Not that it's all about money, but that's one way you might measure success. And you go, that's not a successful business, but it's enough for them to keep doing it. So they don't stop, but they don't, you know, so they just, they end up kind of stuck and, and fairly unhappy. That wasn't their plan. I, I, I mean, I've told them just to be, that they should get rid of some of their staff. They've got too many staff. If, you, if you're only earning $70,000 as the owner of the business and you've got 20 staff, then maybe. The, the, maybe the balance is wrong. <laughs> Balance is wrong. It depends on the, the, the business and so on. But um, I think that that kind of being mediocre or being not being what you wanted to be but not failing is a, is a, can be a real risk because you end up sort of just chugging along yeah. and sort of life just passes you by, you know. Yeah. So I do think it's always really interesting and, and I do think part of it is to reflect upon, you know, we have three really key questions that we ask when, when we look at where things are progressing. You know, what what's gone well this year? What, what hasn't gone so well and if you could do things, what would you do differently? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting when you ask people, you know, what went well, what didn't go so well and what would you do differently, yeah. it kind of stops them in their tracks and they go, oh, yeah. well, I reckon this and this was done well. That wasn't yeah. quite so good. And oh, if I had the time again, I'd do this and this. Okay, so yeah, right. do some of those line up? And if, and if you've got the opportunity to repeat what would you do differently, let's look at yeah. some of those things. Yeah, okay. and can we change it? And there's three very similar, and, and it's, yeah, and just kind of go, oh, yeah, actually not a bad idea. Like sit down and write at the end of the financial year, calendar year, every every month if you want. You just sit back there and say, okay, if I look back, what went so well this month? What didn't go so well? And if I had my time again, what would I do differently? And that yeah. then helps you. And if you document it, it's very good yeah. to sit back and read that 12 months later, and it can be in bullet points and you can flip through it. And you're like, oh, my God, I keep doing the same mistake. Okay, why? Yeah. Is that because it's so habitual for you or is it yeah. that it's just so ingrained that you just, well, you don't know where to turn to? So, therefore, it's like I keep going and doing the same thing and I keep saying to myself I, I would do it differently but I don't know how. So, therefore, you've got to go find someone to help you to do it differently. Yeah, yes. In some cases, what's lacking there is the knowledge, Correct. you know, that you need, you need to build up, you know, you know, you've got, you've got the kind of, you've got the goal and you've got the kind of belief and the, yep. that sort of stuff, but you yep. don't have the knowledge that you need to, you know, to put it into action, if you like. Now, ask people for help. Yeah. Most people are happy to help if you ask them. Oh, most people love it. They love the, it's an ego stroke if you ask for help. Yeah. You know, can you help me? You're good at this. Can you help yeah. me with this? People love it. But even if you've got to pay for it, it's like, yeah, I know, but I recognise that you're much better at it than what I am. And so sometimes yeah. it might be one engagement, other times it might be a 12 or a couple of year engagement. But it just, it yeah. kind of depends. And I, and I do think, um, you know, we all learn from our mistakes. So instead of trying to bury them, yeah, you know, yes. I know we, we we all try and be as perfect as you, Alex, but it's always very very difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's got to be a gold standard, Dave. Someone's got to, you know, it's a, it's a cross to bear, but you, someone's got to do it. You know, they're broad shoulders. You know, you, you carry the whole thing. So, you know, again, I think you know when we talk about 
you know, the greatest risk to any business and what lessons have we learned. Just to kind of wrap it up, what what are your sort of final final points on that today? Yeah, I guess the, I think it's interesting that in the discussion came up pricing, that, you know, that getting your pricing wrong is, I think, a really big one. I hadn't thought of that. I think you raised that, and I, I certainly would agree that pricing is a big thing. I think the usual things, that, you know, you've got to be careful about having a broad customer base and, um, and having the, you know, uh, key man insurance or, or making sure you're not too reliant on somebody um, and, uh, and, um, and, uh, and being mediocre. I think that was the, the, the thing that, that really struck me. You've got to be careful about being mediocre and look to the long term. Yep. I think they're the, the key things that I've sort of noticed and the mistakes I've made along the way and my clients have made, I think. You've got to, it's a confidence thing. You've got to believe in yourself. When you're you know, running a business, you've got, to, you've got to have confidence in what you're offering. Do your research and then, yeah, price it correctly and then back yourself that it's going to work and, uh, and you know, and believe in what you're doing because, you know, confidence leads to sort of success. But even if, and, and I agree with you from the confidence point of view, but even if you progress forward and it doesn't work, this is where those questions come back in to look at it and go, okay, yeah. what went well, what didn't go so well and what did we learn from that? Oh, yeah. so then do I need to tweak a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right or do I need to take yeah. three steps back? To then yeah. restart. That's like, that, yeah. that, that's what business is all about. To me, you don't, yeah, you don't just yeah, keep motoring yeah. on and hoping that for the best. I mean, if it's yeah. there's no point in driving in a direction if you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, if you fail readjusting and moving in a different direction, that's that's success. That's not failure. That's good. You know, fail fast and move on. Yeah, yeah. Winston Churchill said, uh, "Going success is going from one failure to another with no lack of in- with no loss of enthusiasm." Yeah, I quite like that. You know, try that. Keep failing that. Move on to yeah. that. Fail that. Yeah, but that, that's really. I mean, if you compare that to the US to here, you know, the tall poppy syndrome here is always a bit tough. Whereas in the US, they're going to go, "Well, how many times have you, in your business have you failed? Oh, two or three. Great. Well, then come on in here. You know, we see, we told you, we knew you'd fail. It's like, no, no. You, but what did you learn?" I think a lot of very successful people have failed several times in different businesses along the way and they learn through what not to do and so they move on to the next thing. Yeah. All right, good one, Dave. Thank you. That was uh, that was very helpful. All right. Well, until next time, everyone, enjoy and we will talk to you shortly. Bye. See you later.